Hello and welcome back to Political Thoughts mini-series on the culture of hatred. I am joined today by Lavina and Veronica. And Lavina, you will be focusing on fake news and I believe Veronica will be focusing on traditional news platforms, correct? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So let's get into it. Who would like to talk first? Okay, I'll go ahead. Um, I'll be focusing my attention on the new media platforms being used to perpetuate fake news towards immigrants uh, during Donald Trump's presidential campaign in the 2015 um, bid for the presidency. Um, Donald Trump's political brand was based on fake news and propaganda. Regardless of time and the different media platforms used, the media effects of both have had the same results. So basically, his entrance to announce his bid into the election was somewhat bizarre. He uh, went down the stairs uh, from Trump Tower um, uh, with his wife behind him. And um, the mood and the entrance alone kind of set the tone for the type of candid- uh, campaign that he would be running. Um, it was somewhat bizarre. But to add um, the icing to the cake was as soon as he opened his mouth, he left room for pause. I mean, I could recall it like it was yesterday. His famous words that irritated my nerve um, was his remarks in regards to immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, The quote exactly was, um, immigrants are fleeing to the United States when Mexico sends its people. They are not sending their best. They are sending people who have lots of problems, and they are be- bringing those problems with them. They are bringing drugs. <laughs> They're bringing crime. They are rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Mm-hmm. I remember asking myself if this was for real or was it a joke, <laughs> which is another word for satire. So it got me thinking, what... If anything, were most Americans thinking when they heard him deliver that speech? Um, Did they feel the same way? Were they too questioning if he was serious in running for the presidency? I couldn't believe it. In 2015, this could be aired on live television. And from the reaction from most of the traditional outlets, um, Veronica will go over that. They too, in my opinion, believe that he that he wasn't serious and that he didn't have a winning chance. Despite the speech boiling my blood with fury, <laughs> it was as if he put a certain class of people basically in a in a in one category. Yeah, thanks. In one category, um, and discriminating them, saying you know that a certain type of people are coming over to America who are not good. So I paused. I said, I asked myself, what, if any, are the media's ethical responsibilities when delivering information to the public? How effective are the platforms that are currently being being used? What has changed, if any, over time? And what I've come to understand is that fake news and propaganda is complex from a legal aspect, despite the rhetoric about the Mexican immigrants. Um, How this information gets retransmitted over the internet and the social media platforms is is, uh, complex as well. Mm -hmm. 
and their perspectives, what are rights in terms of freedom of speech, police and the internet, Federal Communication Commission's responsibility. So there's a lot to cover in this podcast. 100%. So when was fake news used in this political campaign? So when was it used in the first political campaign? Um, If I had to ask you that, how long (laughs) ago do you think the term fake news has been around? I would say that... Honestly, it would be brought to us by Donald Trump, in my opinion. I haven't heard anything about fake news from before that, so... So if you had to guess that it was during Donald Trump's time that he coined the... 2015. Mm -hmm. If that's your answer, you're incorrect. (laughs) So when when was fake news created then? Like the term or... Actually, after carefully researching and reviewing multiple academic sources... I was quite shocked, I mean dumbfounded, to discover that this term for distrust of the media that the politicians have, it's like a little dance, you know, they like, (laughs) they don't like, they use them, they don't, has been around for over 200 years. Wow. (laughs) Fake news as a term has been around for 200 years. Years. Since 1800. But the term propaganda has even been around longer in the 1600 during the Civil Wars. So it's interesting that Donald Trump has probably <laughs> utilized the term the most, <laughs> but he definitely didn't coin the term. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So if I give you an example with Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, it's uh, two political uh, c- candidates um, going up for the election, and they basically went back and forth. It's like Jefferson's team, you know, had um, stated about Adams, it's like, hear ye, hear ye, you know, think back in the 1800s <laughs> how they used to deliver the news. Um, Jefferson said that Adams was hideous mm-hmm. and he was a hermaphroditical character. <gasps> Which I have no idea what that means. (laughs) So I had to look it up. And it's neither the force nor firmness of a man nor the gentleness and the sensibility of a woman. Interesting. So this is slandering to his physical character, stating that he was not strong like a man nor gentle or sensible as a woman. Fairly inclusive as an insult, though. I must say I'm surprised. For that time, it's true. It's true. So then what does Adam's team says? All right, you got me. My bad. So Adam rebuttals and he says, you know, that he was mean spirited. He was low level fellow. And he even hit home personal. And he goes, he's a son of a half breed Indians, Indian squire. Wow. So because he claimed that he came from a mulatto father. So the rhetoric and the bantering that we hear today in, pol- in, in political campaigns, same especially thing. on the American side, is the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes back and forth. They go under the belt. But the interesting thing about it is that the more negative, the more shocking, the more that it stirs the emotions within the audience, the more they're drawn into, they take in, they believe, without doing facts. So I say, 
what has changed since 1800 till today. Because if you look up with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, he had over 244 tweets with the bantering about Hillary Clinton in terms of crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary, everything is crooked Hillary's mm-hmm. fault with the 33,000 emails that got deleted. So in my opinion, the platform for the media has changed, but the campaign strategy in terms of fake news. Veronica, what did you find when you <clears throat> had to do your research with the traditional platform for the fake news okay so it's actually interesting because you're like what changed from the bantering from from back then to now and you mentioned oh trump and his bantering with with hillary clinton and the tweets you mentioned tweets and that is the digital age and that's where i come from so basically as you can see here like the way they bicker one another so jefferson and adams like it's like well written right because they have like you know those were to be published in newspapers Mm -hmm. and such so it has like those time like there's time where like okay they edited and such and then that's published so that's why it was like still kind of well done Compared to Donald Trump, who just type it on his phone because he has access on his phone for some reason, and he has access on his own Twitter account, even as a president, he's the first president. If I, I can interject, there that you go. tweets there and you go. over uh, three thousand tweets okay. uh, and counting. So, would you guys say that the platforms are sort of increasing this kind of of rhetoric as opposed to the political climate? Yeah. I, I would say that um, actually. It's funny. I disagree. It's it's hmm. the platform is allowing additional uh, users to be able to interject their opinions by creating um, fake newspapers, as they claim Donald Trump did. But then in the 1800s, Jefferson did, and also uh, uh, Byron uh, Williams. He did the same thing too. Um, so. It's not the platforms that it's just that more people have access to instantaneously deliver any message unedited without any sound bites or anything to the mass media. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say because more people have access on it. But at the same time, everyone can also make this fake news media platform. Mm-hmm. There's actually, in my research, the way how um, the spread of fake news became exponential was because um, right now, for example, Twitter, there's like about 200 million users. And then people have been like tweeting every day for about 400 million times just for a day. Um, So what I'm trying to say is that those tweets had also financial incentive on it. So that's why it spreads faster. Because you said it yourself, the more... Um, bantering like one another like physical traits the more like it's it's funny to see it right and that's what we see from from um from trump and clinton as well and that again is from the 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 research i've done is that the more it touches you negatively or positively your emotion the more people will likely repost or share this type of information regardless if it's true or not mm-hmm. and again like um, i'm talking i'm going to be talking about traditional news media and how um, they all move to going digital so and we both can agree that it it's an emotional yeah 
investment. It's emotionally driven. It's emotionally driven that the audience then, if it's negative, you know, there's an action. Mm-hmm. It if doesn't matter. Yeah. I find that the negative has a more lot impact. more impact, yes. more retweets, more distribution yes. over the media platforms um, than the negative. But the strategy of compiling the information and, and the bantering back and forth, it's exactly the same. Same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing in terms of the fake news and the concept. So basically, you could say Donald Trump ran a fake news campaign, which would probably be years from now, the first one mm-hmm. as a campaign because he looked up somebody. Um, he had, like, um, another example that I had was... Um, William Jennings Byron, he was uh, bidden for presidency um, and he lost. Now, he sounds so like Donald Trump. He was upset that he lost and he blamed it all on the media, that they were misrepresenting him. So he created a newspaper called The Commoner and he wanted to wrong the right. And in the newspaper, he wrote uh, fake things like he, he wrote things that he that he didn't uh, he wrote things that were not true in terms of him winning the election and um, he did not win the election um, there's an interesting quote that uh, the Indianapolis Journal um, uh, wrote in 1896 he said in terms of Byron's supporters they assume that the people of this country are densely ignorant and will accept as truth any fake which they can devise. Which is interesting because um, if you listen to those words, they assume that the people of this country are densely ignorant and will accept as truth any fake which they can devise. What's happening today? 200 years later. Same thing. It gets posted. People react, believe it. So... Where's the line between fake news and slander, if there is any? Okay, so that's a really interesting question, because in my discovery in the legality of fake news, it's pretty complex. So do we police the internet? Is it the responsibility of the state or the FBI? Uh, What does that mean for our personal privacy? How will it impact us for generations to come? Mm -hmm. Um, Who... Do uh, who do we hold accountable for the actions of 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 others in regards to the misinformation that they put forward? Um, there's actually a legal body in terms of the Federal Communications Commissions, um, and they say it is within the First Amendment um, that people have freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Fake news is considered uh, satire which in my opening statement, I said I thought he was a joke when Donald Trump and his speech. So if they take his speech and say it's satire, mm-hmm. then there's no liable. Yeah. Wow. And it's so... That's it's, really dangerous. It's dangerous in the terms of that the objective of the Federal Communications, communi- uh, the Federal Communications Commission's is to regulate the communications in all of the 50 states of the United States. And one of their primary objectives is the um, authority for communication laws and regulations, technology and innovations, and other responsibilities to revise the media regulations so that new technologies flourish alongside diversity should be their priority 
um, especially as another uh, election is coming up. But um, they've had cases go back and forth um, where the legality of it, um, if there's no intent, it's uh, hard to um, prosecute. prosecute. What's interesting is Julian Assange. Assange? Assange. Assange. Julian Assange. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is the case with Julian Assange, uh, the founder of WikiLeaks, right. which just on April 11, 2019, after years of escape in the U.S., um, in terms of divulging uh, classified information to the general public, um, he has been arrested. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so moving forward, we will see um, how they handle that because he claims he's a journalist and he's protected by the First Amendment to publish this. So depending on the charges, and it's an evolving topic, uh, we'd have to stay tuned to see how that case unfolds. So that'll be on another episode of uh, the podcast. Basically, if uh, depending on the intention of the what they're talking about, the inform- the diffusal of the inten- um the in- diffusal of information, depending on that, how you try to protect yourself is how you're going to get prosecuted, because. Um, for example, the libel law in in the U.S. is actually not that strong enough because I when I did my research, just a little bit of research for it, there's um this case that I saw. Uh, you read it too, huh? Yeah, I yeah, had that the, case too. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Sullivan, <laughs> yeah, the Sullivan case, and basically, uh, just to sum up, it's like a New York Times published something against this guy, the commissioner guy, and he says that like, oh, it made it seem like he's a bad person. So now he's he tried to sue New York Times, but um, he lost because New York Times, it like the judge Brennan, Justice Brennan, says mm-hmm. that like. Um, we find that New York Post's intention is not to defame you, but just to report something. So, like, you have no case. Right. So that's basically the libel law in in uh, in the states. Mm-hmm. If it's like an individual one, but if we try to talk about, for example, social media use and how like the recent past news where Zuckerberg is like talking in front of um right exactly in front of Congress I exactly in the Congress. So like that again um. They're private company for like just right off the bat. They're a private company, so they can do whatever they want. And also, they're not content creators. They're, right, they're service the providers. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. They don't have any control over like what's happening on their platform. So they're not liable for it. Right. It's interesting because I was saying, um, should they police the internet um, in Malaysia? Mm-hmm. They actually created an anti fake news act. Yep. So Interesting. April 2018, um, anyone that provides uh, fake information um, could be uh, convicted uh, for circulating the fake news mm-hmm. online or in social media. Yeah. They could be imprisoned for up to six years or mm-hmm. fines of 120000 So uh, h- how far are we away from those types do you know if that if that act was triggered by any like particular event it for sure yes because uh just like you mentioning that there's actually um uh, ngos and even the indian government because this is in india not malaysia right they're trying to do something to try to restrict the spread of information using whatsapp 
the the app mm. WhatsApp because it's for us it's like mostly Twitter and Facebook, but for them it's mostly WhatsApp and like mm-hmm. you can share a lot of things in there too. And like NGOs and the government are trying to work together to try to limit the diffusion of it. Like for example, if we have WhatsApp, I can just have hundred people on my contact and send them like I don't know articles, right? Yeah. But for them, like they limit it to like only four people because it's it's really like, a, a very bad thing that's happening like so much fake news like circling using whatsapp so it's just a different platform that they use in which is whatsapp is a social media platform right. exactly so it's just a different media of a spread in hatred and rhetoric in terms of a person's point of view mm-hmm. the thing about um social media is that if i feel negative about something um, I could spread that instantaneously. If an incident happens, it could be filmed. We no longer have um, media being presented from the editorial point of view in terms of the uh, owner. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's conservative, it's yeah. more conservative um, or liberal. Um, it's just from a personal point of view that someone sitting in their room, mm-hmm. you don't know their mindset. But don't forget, that one can also be shared. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we we look at, like, CNN posts something on their official, um, official Facebook account, and they say, like, Skittles blue, and then I can reshare it and be like, no, Skittles rainbow, what are you talking about? And then that Skittle is rainbow, on top of the caption, Skittles blue, mm-hmm. gets reposted and reshared. More. And then on top of another layer of other people right. reading it and then their own opinion. And then that's how the news get distorted. And voila, there's a fake news for you. It's interesting because it, it, it scared me into in terms um, of the generations to come. How will they disseminate the information? Exactly. Because how will they believe because they'll say it came from a reliable source. So mm-hmm. we have to do like some fa- fact finding in terms of the role and influence uh, the decision that the internet plays. Uh, people can't tell whether that they read this information um, from a reliable source or not because someone could just change one letter. You know, if it's like the Montreal Gazette, but then someone could spell Gazette with an extra T or, or extra R mm-hmm. right. with the same caption. So, so prior to taking this class with the media and politics, I automatically, you know, assume Who's that the, the information... <laughs> <laughs> the owner... Um, that the information provided through the media outlets were reliable and accurate. I never really questioned um, the information that I took in. But since the class has evolved, um, I am now aware of fake news um, and how um, the intention of the editor um, can change the perception and um, could create chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to ensure that the information that uh, you're reading is accurate is if you do fact check. Mm-hmm. Now, the onus seems to be on the individual to fact check everything prior to reproducing it. It's critical that we look up the source where the information's coming from. However, um, it's evident that um, if it comes from one source, especially 
social media platform, you cannot believe it without doing a deep dive, which is really interesting because I was doing research for the paper on March 26, and I was actually reading on my phone about fake news, and then I got a pop-up from CNN that says, <laughs> Jesse Smollett, mm. all of the felony charges have been dropped. dropped. I literally almost dropped my phone, <laughs> and I said, okay, let me do some research. This is spam. So then I had to click and says, was at CNN. Then I went to ABC. I went to NBC. Then social media everywhere. Then I actually physically got up and turned on the TV <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't believe yeah. that the charges against him had been charged uh, had been dropped Drop, because right. they because the roller coaster without there one. was no court hearing or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and well, if, I mean, if you think about it, how like, if he actually did orchestrate it, how stupid would he need to be to pay people that he knows? Because it was it was his uh, his personal trainer, yeah. and then someone who was working on Empire yeah. with him, yeah. and they like just shot a scene together. Right? You're telling me that you can't pay any other person in the world to beat you up? Well, I have. 100%. I don't know if he's a hundred percent vindicated. Like, I mean, he, the charges have been dropped, but they did not say. Mm-hmm. There's been let, very little information in I find. terms of if it's a hundred percent or not. So, without seeing all of the facts in a judicial body forum, um, I I'm skeptical from my. Um, information that I've received from class yeah, <laughs> before I go and spread um, additional information, I would prefer to do my fact finding to confirm and then say, yes, he, he did it or no, he didn't or whatever. I just thought that it was ironic that I'm looking up fake news. I get a pop up and you know how many click, 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 clicks I did for algorithms you know, <laughs> to see um if the information was real or not. Yeah, that's interesting because I was actually a victim of that, retweeting and reposting things Uh, about Jesse Smollett. I see. Because I'm like, I don't even know this guy, but I'm like, (laughs) no way. Like, he got attacked and this and that. I'm like, okay. And a bunch of, like, activists that I follow on Instagram were talking about it. A bunch of, like, big celebrities were talking about it. And I'm like, okay, well, so this is a real thing. And it it didn't occur to me to, like, really fact check. D- dive into it. I'm like, you know, if Ellen DeGeneres says she has a big team. Of, right. Like, t- yeah. So I'm like, I guess it's true. Like, you know, so, Sean King said it too. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well. Sean King, yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, re- like retweet two days later. Oh, it was all like just a, it's just a play. I'm like, okay, so I, I don't know what's happening. And then, then you see the news that like everything was dropped. So I was, I was actually on my phone on my bed. I'm like, what is this? Like, I had to get up and like everything's like I went to Twitter, go to the story and type in hashtag Jesse Smollett. Mm-hmm. I had to check everyone's like, oh, is this true or not? So it's, it's pretty interesting with that one. So in terms of group rights, what do we see um, the effects of fake news versus traditional news on immigrants? Okay, so getting back to um, Donald Trump's bid for presidency in 2015, um, there's an interesting... Um, statistic that I gathered from the Pew Research Center fact tank um, in regards to the immigrants coming into the United States. And in 2016, uh, what country do you believe uh, had the most immigrants go into the United States? If you had to guess, pick a country. (laughs) Um, I I would say the Philippines. 
I would say Mexico. And both of you would be incorrect. In 2016, India had more immigrants entering the U.S. than any other country. Interesting. Mexico was number two. Now, from the remarks of Trump, you would never think that Mex- you would have thought that Mexican dominated uh-huh. um, illegal or... I don't or... believe they were even talking about no. Indian immigrants. I mean, there's no. the Muslim ban, but that has nothing to do with Indians. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, on like media, traditional media platforms that I checked to just came through the captions. Actually, Fox News has an, a section just says immigration in it. Hmm. So if you're interested in checking what Fox News media think about immigration, they have a section to it. Just press it. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. But basically, um, they only like when they talk about immigrants, they just talk about Hispanics and uh, Muslim people. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about any um, Asian immigrants. They talk about like European um, immigrants, like India, ne- I never see it. In and that's very telling, right? It yeah. shows like, the. I mean, it's Fox News, so that's like the hub of all fake news, in yeah. my opinion, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, it's just very important to see like, in their category of immigration, who are they focusing on and like, what's the sort of tone of the reporting? Yeah. Yeah, there's only 26% of me- Mexicans mm. that enter the United States, according to the Pew Research. And 76% of all immigrants are in the country legally. Now, from all the banter with Donald Trump, you would think 90% of Mexicans enter the United States and, you know, 10% enter legally. But there's uh, 76% of all immigrants enter the country legally. Um of those who enter U.S., all uh, in regards to the comment where he said all of them are killers and drug lords, again, the answer is no. It's <laughs> not true. Um, there's actually been a decline uh, from Mexico, uh, Mexicans entering the U.S. from the period of 2007 and 2016. Mm. There was a decrease by one million people, fewer entering I actually have something to say here. Like, this is not part of my research, but, like, you're talking about it. But I also was listening to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. I think we talked about Malcolm Gladwell's one class. But he was actually talking about the border between uh, uh, U.S. and Mexico. And basically, what Mexicans has been doing is crossing the border. This was way before the border was tight, or, like, Mm -hmm. no one's really, like, paying attention to it. They crossed the border to go to work, and then they go back. Mm -hmm. But since since they tightened up the border security, those who crossed the border could not go back, and that's how they got stuck in there. Mm. Yeah, and I guess that would fall into the one million fewer. Basically, yeah. That's it. That's a good point. Just reminded me right there. Hmm. Interesting. Exactly. (laughs) So again, we see with Donald Trump, uh, he was using like a a scare tactic and and playing off the fear of the citizens that uh, based on, you know, uh, certain tragic events that have taken place that, you know, the nerves of the American are not yet settled in terms of September 11th. He did a good job. He he reiterated or he reintroduced the silent undertone of hatred and fear and racism that was probably, you know, every year going down a bit. It wasn't 100%, but he just added fuel to the fire and illuminated, you know, people and discussions and things and events that have taken place in recent times. It's sad because it's putting us back more than 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. And no one's talking about his his way of talking and uttering people, which exactly. is, again, interesting. 100%. Right? Yeah. 
Um, I, another statistic that I found was um, they, in, again, in the perceived uh, accuracy of fake news mechanism facilitating the spread of alternative truths, the crisis informational objectivity and the decline of trust in journalistic narratives. Um, they um, During the period of December 27th and March 2018, um, during the period of December 27th to June 2018, they had approximately between 2,600 and 4,400 respondents, and they asked some some questions in terms of, which was interesting, um, fake news. Um, How many people believe that the newspaper makes up fake news about Donald Trump and him or his organization? Um, What do you think the answers would have been? I think it was almost 50%. And you? Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, the interesting thing was that um, 54% uh, (laughs) within the disagree category, they did not believe that the media, but 44%... Um, either 16, 100% agreed that they did, 12% somewhat agreed, 16% neither yes, neither yay or nay, total to 44% agreed, which is alarming mm-hmm. amount of people to believe that the traditional platform of the media publishes false information about Trump or his campaign. So looking at these statistics makes one wonder, is it possible that's why he keeps inciting yeah. ridiculous, um, aston- astonishing, uh, re- uh, scare tactics that'll throttle the emotions negative of the 44% of mm. the people of his audience. He's, he's, ke- he's keeping them, you know, he's keeping them happy by constantly belittling, feeding, uh, feeding in, that's a good yeah. word, feeding into the to the immigrants' uh, situation. I, I, mean, yeah. I take it personally. He literally labeled the media as the enemy of the people. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That said, yeah. Like, I think I kind of brushed through the same research and basically almost like 100% of his follower Republicans just believe everything that he says so that when he says that the media is saying bad things about me, so that's like he... Again, like the othering, so he really makes sure that his followers think that all media is against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's interesting because another question that they asked was, to which extent users trust journalism or the platforms for general news in the information of 2015? And what do you think that would have been? They were all think that everyone is like all the news me- like media is just against him. It was about fifty four percent in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen fifty four percent. There was a slight dip in uh, twenty eighteen to fifty two percent. So for me, the question is, I said, what does this mean for the authentic communication for future generations this in regards to, for them to be able to rely on accurate information mm-hmm. if people don't trust the traditional media outlets. I mean, the traditional media outlets could get it wrong because they're quick, like in the WikiLeaks, they're quick before they do their fact-checking and put it out because they want to be the first. Yeah. I mean, so there is that fake news, non-intentional, inaccurate information that gets dispersed yeah, from the people. traditional. But then there's also fake news where someone goes in, 
creates a website, get exactly. a URL, and just publish it. So it's it's alarming. Another danger with that too is that more and more so journalists are writing their um, their headlines to be catchy, mm -hmm. to be like emotionally charged and grabbing. It's like a psychological Grab manipulation yeah, that exactly. they're doing. And you no know? one clicks on articles anymore. No one. No. Like our our society, there's a study in it. Our society, especially the younger generation, they're actually losing the ability to to read like an entire article. So, yeah. They just they they have this um, habit of just reading the headlines or just skimming through it and then finding something that would fuel their emotion, especially anger. Mm -hmm. And that's again how get it reposted and such. And then they just like take that one tiny thing and that's they use that as a caption mm -hmm. to repost their things and that's it. So as a political candidate, he had the responsibility to deliver a message that is truthful, yet he chose a negative approach to frame the narrative of events that he used throughout his campaign and today. I mean, little has changed from 2015 that he went down the escalator till now. Um, it's exaggerated stories that are trending. He manages to grip the core of the American people and deceive the public perception regarding traditional journalism. They're coming into our country, stealing, killing. Some of them are rapists. We'll have It has a lingering effect for years to come. Um, even just the MAGA, like make America great again. It's yeah. a symbol. And the hat, people see it and they feel the raw negative emotions yeah. from that speech. What are some of the new media platforms that we're seeing more of today? So the social media platforms are following the launch of the internet. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, just to name a few. They provide direct access to which the message can be transmitted at a rapid pace. The original intention of Facebook was matching faces for possible dates. <laughs> and then it expanded as people across the globe joined and connected faces from lost relatives, classmates, and other personal endeavors. You know, uh, people like photos and so on. The transformation of Facebook has led to a market share that is now able to reach billions of people across the globe. Mm -hmm. As advertisers quickly realize their potential reach, um, then that's when uh, more interjections of ads and a space for fake media got posted on those social media platforms because there was more people on those platforms, so they had an access to whatever marketing campaign is behind the fake news, and they're hoping, wishing that a large percentage would click on that marketing campaign or advertisement, and it'll generate revenue. Yeah. So the original uh, use of Facebook and these social platforms were not necessarily for advertisement behind, but because the, of the large reach that they have mm -hmm. uh, with the billions of people that it reaches is being utilized completely different. Mm -hmm. But once Even again, I myself am sort of an example of that, like exactly. with using um, Instagram, you know, I'm like, I'm spreading my own little opinions, uh -huh. you know, it's, not fake news, but it's definitely like you can see how the use of social media, as you said, is transforming for today's day. Yeah. And the distribution of fake news, it's like social media platforms. Uh, it's over 43 uh, percent since 2016. It, it could even be higher today. 
uh, direct access is 28% and through search is 22% and referrals is 7%. So these are some statistics in terms of where fake news is presented and how um, they're reaching the audience. What about in traditional news? Well, if you, because um, you talk about social media platforms, about 43%, and I'm going to be using how the traditional media platforms have moved from publishing stuff to digital age and how profit-driven it is. So there's mm-hmm. always, like, it's a gold mine, right? So again, our generation, the, the audience for the social media is mostly from 18 to 34 years old. Mm-hmm. So they try to use, um, the traditional media platforms are actually guilty of also propagating this fake news. Because if Trump says like, Mexicans are drug dealers, the news, traditional news media, so you would think they're established, they would use that exam, exactly same quote, take that out of the context, put it as their headline, yeah. and then us people who would be looking at it, it would be like, ah, oh, fuck, mm. it's really bad then. Mm-hmm. So so it, it is true, but then it's like a distorted fact. Mm-hmm. And that is how um, fake news so, so we could say it's media and power of technology. Media, uh, regional media, power of technology, but uh, money incentive. Right. So we can no but, longer say that the real power of the media remains in the hands of a few elite no, actors, no. media executives and politicians no. who had originally created the outlets through traditional means, radio, television or print. No. Uh, increasingly, the Internet um, has formed um, a web mm-hmm. so that anyone could then be the editor. It's the virality of it all. The the You need it to be catchy. You need people exactly. to react to it quickly, and you need it to spread. Yeah. Not to mention that um, anyone can purchase mm-hmm. um, a domain a domain like to to have more uh, to have more how to call it Agency. have more audience mm-hmm. yeah a greater audience yes. exactly yes. so anyone uh, one of us can can just purchase it from Facebook so like Facebook is also liable on it but then they would also argue that well we're just a service provider we don't there's so much legality yeah. that we can have a different episodes to go into the legalities of it but I mean even without purchasing um, Donald Trump uses Twitter. I mean, you know, he has thousands of tweets that he sends out that are not vetted through any legal Uh agency. It's just from his brain. I don't even know if it hits his brain, but (laughs) from his lip to outer space, which is us, the universe. But where does it come from? We don't know. See, for us, for us, it's like, why can't we just, why why can't they just shut off his Twitter account then? But in a perspective of a Twitter company, they'd be like, why would I shut that? There's so many people... Um, um, making um, Twitter accounts now so they could follow him. I wouldn't do that if I'm, um, I'm uh, from the business um, perspective. So it's the same thing. It, like change Twitter to CNN and it will be the same thing again. The more they talk about it, the more people are tuning in, the more money that comes in. So I feel like all of this fake news um, and the uttering and um, those headlines, caption that really hit you and makes you angry, I feel like it's also due to the capitalist society we have. Exactly. So regardless of how the information gets distributed, we as citizens have to get more involved with fact-checking yeah. to ensure the accuracy of the information that we receive is accurate before tweeting or resending it across the World Wide Web. 
Donald Trump may use a different media outlet, but the end result with the audience audience is that the same. It's the same as Jefferson and Adams back in the 1800. They were both see, grabbing to seek the attentions by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So I conclude that either earlier or now, both use the press for the personal gain and political advances. Donald Trump's political brand was based on fake news and propaganda, regardless of time and the different media platforms used. The media effects of both have had the same result. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, for what I, can, what I can see when he was still like a, a candidate for president, um, I remember my brother and I were talking about how Donald Trump is using negative advert, like uh, negative media, like negative advertisement and such. But he still gets all of uh, the attention. Um, what, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but he did something stupid, <laughs> and people instead of tuning in on something else, people were just tuning in on on Trump because they just want to see how stupid he he would he would be in, in front of the the camera. So I, I he, believe his the word stupid. Uh, if you Google it, Donald Trump's name comes up. That's how many people have associated <laughs> his so name funny. with stupid. That his name is the first name that comes up when you put up stupid, exactly. which is unfortunate. But that's who the American people voted for, mm-hmm. and it's the democracy that mm-hmm. they live in. So I say, thank God I'm a Canadian. <laughs> but they were also saying that um, this negative. Uh, negative attention that he's getting actually made him so much money because he didn't even need to pay for um time slot for 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 the news station yeah because the news station just does it for them Mm -hmm. for him i mean so that's again um, propagation of fake news yeah so to ask you guys to end off in like a little question i have I have for you here. Um, would you? What do you guys think of this notion of the culture of hate being used as a tool for audience participation in politics? Because I remember, as you guys were saying earlier on in the podcast, that the culture of hate is is grabbing people by the their emotions. There, it's it's playing off of a gut response in people. And yeah, this is getting people more involved in politics, whether it's for a more positive or negative outcome. But do you guys think that it's being used as a tool to get people more involved? I I believe so. I believe, for example, um, I know some people, my friends especially, they're not really into politics as I am. I'm a political <laughs> science student. Um, but ever since um, this um, Trump discourse, and not just Trump, but like, like stuff that's happening online and it's very visible in their social media, Facebook, especially if I repost, reshare stuff, they also see it. And if I put like my point of view and my caption, they also see it. And I believe that it also grabs people's attention, even if they're not into it. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say yes. Yes, the, the platform is allowing the audience to be more participative in democracy. Another thing we don't uh, consider is regardless if it's fake news or real news, more people are reading. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So literacy, in a sense, (laughs) we can't control the content, but there are more people reading and being informed. The only thing that I would stress after reviewing this and utilizing the skills that I learned is that anything that pops up, double check, triple check through different sources before retweeting it or forwarding it so that we could diminish 
the inaccurate misinformation of fake news and propaganda so that there's less for the generation to come. Mm -hmm. If everybody takes a step towards that, I mean, we're a few, but with this podcast and you reaching the millions of people, (laughs) I believe that eventually over time that it'll be like a separate category, satire, fake news, and, and, you know, people will just, it'll be banter. It wouldn't be questionable, is it real or not? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think think over time if we, you know... um, each educate ourselves and transfer that knowledge to others that it'll be a better society amazing and what about you veronica anything that you want to leave our viewers with i feel like this this fake news things like nonsense happening right now um definitely made people talk more Mm -hmm. but because of this fake news it also made a lot of people be skeptical on everything, which is quite sad because, for example, we like for example CNN is like an established news company and such, but even CNN is under fire or something like. Oh no, I don't believe those kind of things anymore. For example, if you go see a Twitter account or their Twitter account or Facebook account, you could always see um, their Trump's diehard supporters be like, "Oh, this is all just um, left winging propaganda. You shouldn't be believing in this kind of things." But in my head, I'm just like. But you literally see the picture of this um, 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 man and woman dying or you see the video of like a black man getting killed on the spot and you're saying it's all fake. Maybe it is, but there's beyond reasonable doubt. That's, for me, it's always like that in my head. I'm like beyond reasonable doubt. I see so much of this thing that it could not be fake. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the fact that a lot of people be like, oh, just give it more of a time. We'll see what happens. Like they, they're too skeptic and there's no more trust in anyone else and mm-hmm. I feel like it's creating a very dangerous precedent because of what Trump's doing and especially on immigrants and him uttering them really and because um, I haven't talked about it but basically on my research I talked about um, the recent shooting at uh, New Zealand mm-hmm. and how he released a manifesto and he he was basically saying that Trump is um, em- empowered him to do these kind of things because Trump has had this rhetoric of anti-immigration and it turns out like, you know, New Zealand are mostly immigrants, right? So it's anti-immigrants, but he also has a Islamophobia rhetorics. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the shooter had that white power sign in his hand and Trump has never like publicly um, condemned. Yeah, the, exactly. Not only did he have the, the white power symbol, but he created an entire manifesto about the death of Islam. Exactly. So, and then then again, um, a lot of people um, have an article here, but um, researchers or scholars actually said that Trump did not incite this, but Trump has influenced this so much. And we, we find it to a lot of other shooters who, who thinks of Trump as the um, uh, white supremacist uh, protector. Mm. And again, that's like really creating a lot of dangerous precedent because now we see a lot of um, um, white supremacists and them um, rising because they feel empowered to it because the president is like just like me. So it's like what I had said originally where he is, um, he's arousing the interests yeah. of those that possibly had it very low, mm-hmm. hidden, that were not showing signs of their hatred towards one type of class or culture or another, but with Donald Trump's first speech, mm-hmm. that it just rallied them all to say, "Ah, yeah, the, finally! The, the first you know, I can it? I can express 
you know, this white supremacy, which is scary. I mean, it's bad and it's good. It's bad that we're reactivating it, but it's good that the world gets a seat at the platform that we are seeing so that if we are to abolish it, that we realize, or for those that thought that it didn't exist, are realizing that there's still a lot of work mm -hmm. left to be done. So as a, as a child of immigrants that came to Canada, I thank them that I came to Canada, mind you. We still have our U.S. Uh, citizenship too, but I don't. I don't. I always say I'm Canadian. But reverting back to the tone that you were talking about, um, U.S. and Canada, I did a little bit of just like content analysis on mm -hmm. the traditional platforms in it. So basically, I chose um, CBC. So CBC is like a state-run media news outlet, and I compare it to TVA, so the one here okay. mostly in Quebec. And you can you can see um, the CBC has actually more of a positive and welcoming tone when it comes to talking about immigrants. Um, they even have um, their own actually section about immigration as well. And there, there's like a page dedicated of like if you're curious of how our government functions and how we we deal with immigrants. Like they talk about um, uh, permanent residents or immigration versus asylum seekers, those kind of things. So it, it really has like very different tone compared to this, the U.S. That's CBC, though. Right. But when it comes to um, TVA, TVA has more of, like, a municipal than provincial, the national, international type of news, thing, and then, um, news reportings. And when I used immigration in the search engine, it talks a lot about the laicite. Mm. And, again, um, when they talk about immigrants, they m mostly talk about... Um, um, immigrants of French-speaking uh, background immigrants, mm -hmm. so basically the Muslims again. Yes. And again, the laicity is really shuffling again, saying that, uh, you know, they we're banning it because of what uh, uh, Lugo said. So that's when they talk about one immigrant, or I guess one immigrant who's trying to get an immigration um, status in here in Quebec, he's um, uh, from France, and um, there's like this sympathetic tone. They actually filmed him it's not a report. It was actually a film specifically for him to talk about how, oh, like he has to go back to France because he wasn't able to prolong his process and like, you know, like more people needed it type of thing. So it has like that empathetic feel when it comes to immigrants that's um, white mm -hmm, compared, compared to non-white immigrants. 100%. So again, you can see how they run it. Still very positive tone, I find, but... You can see the discrimination and racism happening in there. 100%. Well, thank you guys very much for your research. Yay! It's done! <laughs> Yay. That was thank a very long one. Thank you for listening to Political Thought. And tune in next time for the rest of our little mini-series on the culture of hatred.